Hi, I'm Erin, and you're listening to The Erin Roy Show. Clouds up ahead, just like memories, float into them with the same ease. Clouds up ahead, just like memories, float into them with the same ease. We are in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And when I started The Erin Roy Show, my hope was to have thoughtful conversations with badass women. And Hannah Hardaway is an inspiration to me and always. And she is certainly a badass woman capable of having some very thoughtful conversations. She was previously an Olympic skier. She graduated from Cornell University uh, studying business and Japanese. And she is currently a wedding photographer. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay, great. We're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. So I am sitting here with Hannah Hardaway, and we had the good fortune to meet, I think, actually a couple of years ago at our mutual friend Nona Yahya's uh, house. She had an awesome dinner party. And I was struck by you for many reasons, but your presence, your strength, and honestly, your humility was really what um, what took me aback. So I'm very thankful to be sitting here with you two years later as I embark on this podcast series. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, what a beautiful compliment. And I remember having a lovely time meeting you as well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to start off by asking you some questions, and we'll see where they take us. But uh, can you describe yourself as a young girl? Ooh, younger years, I was definitely very driven, super busy, did all sorts of things from sports to um, really into athletics stuff, um, academics. And then I went to a small school, so we pretty much could be a part of everything. So I was, you know, secretary of the class. I was <laughs> vice president of National Honor Society. I was in Latin club. I was the yearbook editor. I was played three varsity sports. I did gymnastics on the side. I was a competitive skier as well. Um, so looking back, I, I see that time as a very, like, focused, kind of regimented period of my life that I'm still somewhat trying to unravel from, <laughs> as wonderful as it was. <laughs> uh-huh. And when you talk about uh, unraveling from that, what does that mean to you? Um, well, this past year, actually, I had kind of an eye-opening experience. I went back. My parents were moving out of the house that we grew up in that my dad has lived in since he was in college, mm. so, you know, 45 years um, and I came across this journal that I had written in, and I was reading these words I had written, and I could have written it today. And it was just a really um, eye-opening thing to do. I was just talking about how busy I was, how I wanted more time and space in my life, how, you know, the things that I still continue to kind of fantasize about would be like 
going to a cabin for the weekend and like having time to journal and read and relax and just kind of, um, I feel like I continue to have all these opportunities, but I'm just now really learning how to integrate and reflect and um, kind of absorb all these great things that I have access to and learn instead of just constantly going on to the next thing. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because uh, reading about you, because I don't know you well, but I uh, have, I read, you know, the about me on your website and um, some, the Wikipedia uh, entry that exists (laughs) for you. And it struck me that as I was just doing a little bit of research that, man, it sounds like, and reads like you've lived so many more lives than just the one that you have. And so it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that you necess- that you haven't necessarily had the time to unpack all that's happened to you because it's incredible what you've done and what is still a very young life. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's definitely been very busy and what I'm realizing is that a large part of these experiences is the time to absorb them and just really like milk them for all their worth instead of just going from one wonderful experience to the next, to the next, to the next, and always having your eye on this next accomplishment, next prize, you know, not prize, but um, just like kind of having your head in the future. And so I've been really trying to be more present in day-to-day life so that I'm kind of seeing the beauty as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And do you have, uh, like, what is your current practice for being able to sit in those moments and 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 ponder them or let them seep in? Well, it's definitely still a work in progress, <laughs> <laughs> as most things are. Um, one big thing for me over the past year also has been taking, like, I've always been really good about oh, what do I want to accomplish in the next year? And, you know, making these big lists and like having these big goals. But what I realize is that these days we're being pulled in so many directions that you really need to break these things down into and incorporate them into your daily life and at least weekly life, but ideally daily life. Otherwise, weeks roll by, months roll by, years roll by, and they don't happen. So I've been working really hard to incorporate more daily practices. So for example, you know, it doesn't always happen and I'm not actually not very good at it when I'm traveling, but when I'm at home, um, you know, I try to get up, I try to, um, you know, have a few like Ayurvedic little things I do in the morning, you know, scrape my tongue and, you know, drink Mm -hmm. a big thing of water, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And then I go right into like an hour long yoga practice and then I go upstairs and I meditate for 15 minutes and then... I can check my phone. But I try to like really make a point that these things happen first because this is my priority. Um, And I think it's really hard not to be pulled in a million directions. And one very important way to do that is setting up your day, right? And I feel like the morning is the time where more often than not, it is your time. You're not getting as many phone calls. You're not, you know, it doesn't matter if you get back to that email at 8 or if you get back to them at 9.30. Like, um, so just really capitalizing on that quiet early morning time. Yeah. It sounds like, in general, you're on a quest to relieve yourself of some of the pressure 
that you feel like you're putting on yourself almost through uh, through the opportunities that exist. It's funny. Like we create these opportunities for ourselves, but then they can also come back and be cast as a burden to a certain extent unless we figure out a way to mindfully be be present. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I remember growing up, I mean, I did all these other things, but skiing was kind of the thing that I excelled at early and became my life and my career um, for quite some time. And I remember when you're in it, how it's your whole world. And then, you know, every event seems like, for me, it was always like I needed to perform my absolute best every time. Like for me, that was a more than like any specific achievement. It was like this consistency of just always doing personal best. Um, and then literally when I retired and, and, you know, stopped being on the U.S. ski team, like I don't even watch those competitions on television. Like it's just like it, it went from being you're inside this bubble where it seems so important and everything is such a big deal. Like, you know, if I didn't do well at one World Cup, you know, it felt like a big weight. But now I look back and I'm like, who cares? Like, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not even important. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's funny because I can imagine what I would feel would be your biggest accomplishment. What What do you feel is, what, what makes you proudest or what, what's, well, how, what, what makes you feel the most accomplished at this point in your life? Um, well, I mean, I, I have some like, like when I look back on my career athletically, I have some achievements that definitely wouldn't be what you would see from a list of accomplishments and pick out. But a lot of them had to do with um, going through severe injuries, being out for multiple years and able to fight my way back onto the team and, um, you know, be right back on top after missing two complete years. Um, one of them was actually the quarterfinals of the softball championships when I was a freshman and I was, you know, on the line and was able to get the game winning hit. Like little things, like it wasn't it wasn't going to the Olympics. It wasn't winning World Cups. It wasn't winning World Cup finals. Mm. I don't know. And and some of it, looking back, was, um, like, I definitely look at my overall rankings for the whole year as something I'm proud of more than just these individual highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a broader scale, it's definitely just how I interact in the world and the person that I've become, you know, because of these incredible people that have supported me and kind of shown me the way, but it's definitely more just the person that I see myself as. Mm-hmm. And I I love looking at the photos on your website. You're a wedding photographer, but it strikes me that you do quite a bit of travel photography as well. Can you talk a little bit about what photography means to you? Yeah, well, I think... Photography, when I was retiring from skiing, I knew that I wanted to focus more energy on my artistic side. And for um, photography, 
kind of fell into my lap just from having this incredible access to all these professional photographers, you know, when I'd be on these shoots for two, three weeks in another country and just be able to, like, ask them a million questions (laughs) and pick their brains and look at a bunch of imagery. So I feel like, in a way, photography kind of found me, but when I think of it analytically, it's like this beautiful balance of technique, but then also this, like, freedom of creative expression. And it's like, there's definitely photographers that fall, you know, on all sides of that spectrum. But for me, it was just like a really good fit because I am, like, I do want to know all the rules. And if I choose to break (laughs) them, fine. But I, you know, it was important to me that I went to photography school and I learned as much as I can. And then from there, I try to add in my own artistic element. So it was just like this really nice mix of artistic and technical. And then um, in my my work, one of the things that's the most amazing is just the connection that I get to have with all these incredible people that I wouldn't normally meet when they come here to Jackson Hole, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and do you, uh, the, the, the image on your website, there was a young boy who I think was, you said was boldly sw- or performing even, dramatically swimming up to your boat. Do you do you uh, do you get to keep in touch with any of the people that you come across with like that, or is it as the image the way that you hang on to that connection that you've created? Um, well, with wedding clients and people that I you know actually book with and have contact information with, occasionally there are people that we stay in touch with. With the travel photography, it's definitely a lot harder, um, but it's a beautiful example of like remembering that moment for what it was and not needing to have a life with that person after, but it was like this beautiful coming together and this magic time. And here's this photo to remind me, but it's beauty was already there. Mm-hmm. You you strike me as someone that really does live in the moment. Would you say that's true about yourself? I try. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, I think, again, that's a lifelong pursuit. For sure, I get caught up in what's coming down the line. I, I definitely am more of a future projector than a living in the past kind of person, but um, I'm a planner, <laughs> and I like to make things and manifest things in my life. So, I, I mean, I do definitely spend time thinking forward, but as much as possible, I'm always trying to bring myself into the moment so that I can appreciate life for what it is. Mm -hmm. You describe so beautifully in your writing, and I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about it, uh, as an Olympian walking into the stadium, speaking of moments and big moments. Can you tell us a little bit about about what that was for you? Yes. Um, So definitely walking into the opening ceremonies was a highlight moment of my life. Um, Just the... It was 2002, um, so it was after 9-11, so there was, like, a lot of um, just emotions behind behind having an Olympics on our home turf, and I just remember the energy in the stadium when you – it was just – I just walked in the stadium and started bawling because it was, like, such a beautiful thing to come – like, the world coming together in sport, and at that moment, we were all equals. You know, we were all elite athletes in whatever genres, and no one had gotten their NBC commercial yet or won this medal or that sponsorship. It was just 
all like we were on this like level playing field and it was just like a beautiful kind of moment of team. Do you, do you consider yourself a hero? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> do you have heroes? Um, I definitely have influential people that I feel like helped direct my life in really profound ways. I don't know about heroes, per se. Mm-hmm. I was interested because I, I, I do believe that as an Olympian, you are a hero. And it, I mean, I, I'm a dancer. I'm an actor. I put myself up on a stage. I ask people to look at me. And it, it, it just it strikes me that sometimes we are people that others look at and almost emulate or embody or imagine. So when I think of you, I do think of you as a hero because I, I think of what would it have been like to step into your body in those moments and, and, and to, to feel the power and the strength of that. And you worked incredibly hard to accomplish that. And so I, I'm just throwing that out there that I, I think in a lot of ways you are our, in our country, you are our hero and continue to be because you you carve such a beautiful life for yourself. One of the things that you um, uh, quote that I pulled from your website is uh, how you live your life is your greatest work of art. And it's quite beautiful to see the the path that you've carved for yourself post post skiing where do you see yourself in 10 years what what do you think hana will be doing <laughs> um that's interesting i mean as of right now i still am really passionate about photography and i love that it's a lifelong learning where i can be dedicated to this for the rest of my life and still continue to evolve and get better so I don't see that leaving anytime soon. Um, I definitely want to start a family. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of hopefully in the next couple of years here. Um, yeah, and then just the last few months, actually, I've been thinking about, I feel like since one of the things that I really do enjoy is learning and I'm always reading new books and taking classes and in all sorts of things, not just photography, you know, habit formation, health and wellness, all these things. Um, And I've always felt like when I learn these things, I end up connecting with people at the right time and I'm able to pass along something that has been influential to me. And it just happens to be the right time for this person to hear this information as well. So one thing that I've just have realized over the years is how many people have been like, wow, you know, when you told me about this, like it started me on this whole new path or that came at just the right time. And so I've been really trying to think about how to do that in a, on a larger scale, which is kind of ironic that you, you know, approached me during this time that I've been thinking about that. Um, And so I've actually been thinking about starting a blog um, and it will be based around all the things that are of interest to me. So it's very free in that way. Um, but You're I, an expert. Yeah. So, it, um, you know, and I, I imagine what I'm interested in will change over the years. But, you know, right now I've been 
reading a lot about minimalism and essentialism, and I'm always all about optimal living and health and wellness, and I want to create kind of just like a resource, like a curated resource where people will be able to go and find some of these things that have really helped me in my life and, you know, just pick the little gold nuggets for them that resonate with them. Because I feel like we're in information overload these days and there's so much out there. And I really appreciate when I have those key people in certain industries or, you know, areas of life where I know that they're going to go read 10 books on that subject and then they might recommend one. (laughs) And so I hope that I can pass along some of the information that has been really helpful to me in a way where people can just access it on whatever level resonates with them. That's interesting. Uh, I, it's, let's see, uh, a lot of different thoughts in there, but one thing that, um, I realize is that we're about the same age and we grew up in this era, which I think is quite interesting because we grew up without the internet at first. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, or not even boom. It just, I don't know if it was the same experience for you, but there was a computer in a classroom and it was like, oh, what does that box do? Okay, great. Oh, wow. AOL arrives in the mail. And so we've really, our perception of technology has changed unlike other generations because anyone that came after us grew up really with the internet being a very a very large part of their life and so it's uh, fascinating for me to hear that now you're choosing to write a blog or you're thinking of writing a blog and I'm doing a podcast so it's like figuring out how to incorporate technology in what could be seen as an oversaturated or overburdened technological world um, one thing that I enjoyed reading was that you highlighted the fact that your parents didn't watch television or didn't have a television. Yeah, we didn't have a TV in the house. Yeah. Do you have a television in your house now? No. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am very grateful that we grew up in a time where play was go outside and create your own games and run around, be active. Now, more than anything, I mean, technology offers incredible opportunities, and I definitely am grateful for those as well. But at the same time, I mean, you could spend your whole life just being tied to the internet and and watching what other people are doing and what other people are into and what other people are accomplishing. And I feel like we're just now starting to see some of the drawbacks of this generation, especially behind us, that grew up being tied to this device. And as more and more research and just even just, you know, we can see it in every day when you go out to dinner and there's a family over at that table and the three kids are on their iPhones and they're not communicating, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope that there will be more boundaries moving forward and that people will make a point to limit the access to those things and really engage in the interpersonal connection and day-to-day life because we're losing these little pockets of amazingness. (laughs) I mean, I've I've obviously read a lot of books on this, but um, even, you know, they talk about how we used to sit in line at the grocery store and that was a time that your mind was just free, similar to the way when you're driving, hopefully, without texting and 
yes. you know, doing all those things that you shouldn't <laughs> yes. be doing. Um, but that now that we have these phones, any free 10 seconds, 30 seconds, people are pulling them out. And so instead of letting their mind wander and process some of these life experiences or think about that person or have some creative inspiration, we're instead just being on the receiving end of more information that in a lot of it to be, you know, is not that relevant. Mm -hmm. It's, it's great. The access to great articles and that it's giving this platform for people who do have incredible things to share. But a lot of it is just like, I don't need to know what you ate for lunch. Mm -hmm. It's just a waste. Mm -hmm. And I I often wonder if it's, I think we've developed a fear of being by ourselves, a fear of of quiet, a fear of solitude, which I think is an incredibly important thing. And and I remember growing up and and just having a lot of time where I would sort of just sit and do nothing or I would make a piece of art or I'd go on a little walk and and it is amazing the games that come out of that, the the imagination that that is present. Uh, do you spend a lot of time on your own? in solitude or are, or are your moments pretty full? No, I, I mean, I'm def- definitely working on that. So for me, I know that even no matter how busy I am, I'm going to eat well and I'm going to exercise. So a lot of the, the habits that I've been trying to incorporate are kind of around those things. So like especially in the summer here, it's so beautiful and wonderful outside, but my work is on this computer most of the time. So I try to, like, take all my meals outside, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are alone, and I try to take the time, whether it's me or me and my husband or having a dinner party, to make really nourishing, delicious food, even though that takes half hour, hour, who knows, but just try to prioritize that, um, and sometimes I kind of <laughs> give myself little timeouts where I make myself sit on the couch and I'm not allowed to do anything um, because I love reading. So a lot of times I would choose to fill that time sure. with reading something. So And how long is a timeout? <laughs> like 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not a very long one. And but do you just, tell your husband or is he not home? He's not usually happier? home. Okay. Okay. No, I don't think he's usually home. But then um, one of the other triggers that I try to really resist is if I'm ever with a group or with other people, you know, that urge when someone pulls out a phone that everyone wants to grab their phone and pull it yes. out. So I try really hard to to not pull it out. And if they're going to be on their phone, then I'll try to, like, look the other direction and, like, take in the, the beautiful view or uh-huh. that kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, just for me, uh, one of the things is not compulsively checking my email. So if I'm in line at the grocery store, I try to just be in line at the grocery store. And then when it's my turn, I try to look the person in the eye and, you know, say something relevant. I see you, you know, (laughs) instead of just having half attention up and be looking at my phone and not really acknowledging their presence. Absolutely. We've mentioned your husband a couple of times. And I, when I met you, I met both of you. And it did strike me how in love the -hmm. two of you were. I think at that point you were maybe engaged, but not, but not married. Can you talk a little bit about what role love plays in your life? It's a profound question, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, that is a profound question. Yes. Well, I think one of the amazing things about love is there's so many different ways and different types of love. 
um, in looking at my relationship for me, my husband is actually one of those incredible resources to try to pull me out of my head. And he is definitely really good at just not planning and being spontaneous and living in the moment. And oftentimes he'll just be like, let's go out to dinner. Let's go, you know, let's go on a bike ride. And I'll be like, wait, like I needed to get this, this, and this done. And then I was thinking we were going to, you know, have dinner from this hour to this hour. And then I was going to try to do this after. And um, so it's been a really nice balance. Um, And I try to accept those invitations and just be a little bit more like him in those ways. Mm -hmm. The acceptance and surrendering are hard for me at least, Um, but it's, it's beautiful to have somebody on that path with you as you are seeking to practice those things. That's great. Uh, I am interested in knowing what scares you. Ooh. <laughs> scared of snakes, <laughs> which I know is just because my dad's afraid of snakes. <laughs> so I try to mentally get over that. Uh, a learned um, fear. <laughs> um, I mean, at this point in my life, I'm – a little nervous around starting a family, oh. for sure. Mm-hmm. Just with the um, the odds that go against you as you get older. So sure. that's a huge thing because that's something that I've always wanted my whole life and probably the thing I feel like I have the least amount of control over. Um, so there's another great example for surrendering. <laughs> and, yeah, going with however that unfolds. Yeah. I, I, I've... Because, again, I think we're the same age. I don't have children myself. And it's one of those things that one of the few things that the window on that closes. And I can't think of another pressure like that. Um, And there is the option of of, of adopting. And and certainly that's something that I've thought of as well. But um, but it is, it's interesting to hear you list that as a fear of yours because – it's a fear of mine, but I don't know that I would have actually called it a fear. I th- think of it more logistically. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and it's also one of the, I mean, it's, you can do it on your own, but in my vision, it was this family that I wanted. So it's like, I'm ready, but if he's not ready, I can't force him to do that versus all these other goals I've had my whole life. It's like I put my mind to it. I make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. But here, I can't do that. <laughs> and that's, it strikes me as being, I, I wasn't intending this, but asking you about love, it strikes me that you're being very brave by being in love. I'm not with anybody at the moment. And then sometimes I think that part of that is uh, an inability or being scared of surrendering to another person. So it's... Um, it's quite beautiful to hear you express. And I know family is very important to you. And you wrote very beautifully about what seemed to be an, an idyllic childhood growing up. So to have to surrender 50% of that or more, you know, to another person. I, I, I didn't think about it that way. So it's nice to hear you express it like that. Uh, I'm going to switch gears totally. And uh, I, this is really a podcast that I hope will inspire young women, women of all ages. Um, Have you had a difficult time 
being a woman in what we call a man's world? Um, that's interesting. I actually was in a photography article this past year about that whole thing, and I really haven't had firsthand resistance for being a woman. If anything, in a lot of the things that I was doing, I felt like it almost gave me a leg up because it's like, oh, they're really good at that, and they're a woman, and there's less women who are really good at that. Mm. Um, so I haven't, but at that same time, I obviously see it, and I think certain industries are a lot worse sure. <laughs> in those regards. Um, and a lot of that was attributed to the time that I grew up. You know, my sport already had a women's side and a men's side, and I don't honestly even know if the prize money was the same or not. Um, I haven't had, like, any scarring issues mm -hmm. um and I've always actually been really glad that I'm a woman mm -hmm. um yeah and I just never like I there's a lot of people even in just skiing and female skiers that I know that are all like rah rah let's go get a women's group and go ski and for me it just never really was about that it was like let's go get a group of people together and go ski and we all bring what we bring to the table, and it, I don't care if you're a girl or a guy. Mm -hmm. it, um, it's funny because that almost rolls into another question that I had for you, or maybe it's more of a statement. Uh, but you seem to—you strike me as someone—I I believe that we create our own realities and that our choices and the way that we choose to um, think about things— is basically the outcome that we will create. And it strikes me that you're someone who, I don't, I don't know if you believe in failure, but you choose to shape these experiences in a way that moves you forward. I, I don't, I don't, is that something that strikes you as true? I don't really see you recognizing or uh, creating stumbling blocks for yourself. Everything seems to sort of be an opportunity for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. So much of our experience of the world is how we choose to perceive it. And, you know, even just in my small circles of friends, like I see someone, they get given a compliment, and because of what's in their head, they see it as a negative. Because, oh, by saying this, you meant that I wasn't good at this. And it's like, no. Like, that person just said you were good at this. Like, that was a compliment. Mm -hmm. And it was in your head that you were able to, you know, because of all that baggage and all that experience that we bring, especially as you get older. So I think a lot of the manifesting and creating the life that you want is focused around how you choose to perceive it. Yeah. You mentioned earlier— I think reading a book on habits, <laughs> I'm also incredibly intrigued by, by habitual patterns. Uh, how do you, are you trying to catch yourself with habitual thought patterns and, and reshape them to better serve yourself and, and those that you come across? Yes, definitely. Um, it's funny when I first started doing yoga and meditating, you know, I don't even know, 17 18 years ago, 
the I remember being in these classes when the teacher would talk about, oh, you know, when your mind wanders, just bring it back. And I was like so oblivious that I didn't think my mind wandered at all. <laughs> like I'd be in Shavasana. I'm like, no, I love this. I'm soaking it in. Like this is awesome. Right, that, that, that dialogue yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so the more that I've practiced with meditating, the better I'm getting at recognizing even when you're on some thought train. Mm. I think that the awareness of it is a huge part. Sure. Um and I don't know why, but I don't feel like I really get caught up in the woe is me, this happened to me. Like I just have always been more on the proactive, like I did this and cause and effect. And, you know, if something goes wrong, this is I I see what I could have done better and I just grow from that and learn from that and move forward. And was is that a natural thing for you or did your parents instill it? Where where did that come from, do you think? I don't really know. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of it came from just being supported and given opportunity and just kind of however it goes. It's, you know, we love you and it's great. And I don't know. I just, I never had, never felt any pressure from my parents. But at the same time, they gave me incredible opportunities and like my husband and I both laugh that we've we've both lived like these lives that are way past our means you know coming from like families that you know, maybe didn't have a lot of money and and yet here I've traveled the world and stayed in five-star hotels and you know met like some really incredible people and it um yeah I don't really know if that was a natural thing or what I mean, I'm, I would assume it's learned through example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the people, like my brother is one of the people that I look up to the most, and I think I would say the same thing about him. He's not ever looking back and feeling like things happen to him. It's He's on the forefront driving that ship. Mm. He's making things happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think a big part of that is – um. Just being aware enough to see the role you played. And and there's always things that we can do better. Sure. And there's always things that, you know, if we went back, we would do differently. And just owning that. Yeah. Uh, this is a random personal question because my brother is someone that I, I adore and am also inspired by. And how do you – your brother doesn't live here, does he, in Jackson Hole? How do you keep in touch with your brother? Um, so my brother's on the East Coast. He was actually in New York for 15 oh. years um, and now has three little kids under the age of eight. So our best time to connect, which I really cherish, is he has an hour drive to and from work every day. So he'll usually call me on that drive home, you know, once a week, once every couple weeks, you know, depending on what we have going on. And it's wonderful because it's such undivided attention mm-hmm. with him and I feel like oftentimes we're able to go on a deeper level in what we talk about than even if like I was just on vacation with them two weeks ago but it's like it's busy and there's kids all around and we're going to dinner and whatever but it's all these like group things and I feel like I connect with him more over the phone just because there's not all those accessory yeah. distractions that's great that's <laughs> lucky hour yeah totally <laughs> Uh, so you have nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Did I know I have a nephew who is now about a year and a half. And I, when he was born, 
I, I like I said, I don't know if I'll have children, but when my nephew was born, I all of a sudden felt this need to step up a bit in my in the way that I exist in the world, and I wanted to do it very much for for myself, of course, but also it was important for my nephew. Did you have that experience when your ne- nieces and nephews were born? Um, well, I actually had my first nephew born when I was 13. Oh, wow. Because okay. <laughs> my sister is a lot older than me. Um, so I didn't necessarily tie it to having little people in my life, though I do really try to see opportunities where I can have, you know, obviously they're young, so the conversations aren't as deep, but little moments where I can have the moral or or share something that Maybe it'll just blow by, but maybe they'll grab onto it. Like this last trip that we were on, um, my husband was actually telling me. I was really proud of him that he, like, took the time to talk to my nephew about how incredible it was that he had a little brother. Mm. And, you know, his little brother's two, and he's quite challenging right now. (laughs) And there's times when they all three play together, and then there's other times when, you know, he annoys the crap out of him. Um, But Jeff took— the time to just like share with him like, hey, you know, I have a brother and it's it's really special to have someone in your life that just, you've been through so much and, you know, you share so much and not everybody has a brother. And I know that sometimes it's hard, but you should also really appreciate him for what it is and, and it'll be interesting to see where your relationship goes and just kind of like having those bigger conversations that, you know, what, a six-year-old doesn't have that often? Right. Oh, I guess my, my littlest is four. Yeah, he's challenging right now. <laughs> um, but around that that similar thing, the thing that popped into my head was I actually was down in Mexico, and I had this incredible sweat lodge ceremony that I went to this, mm-hmm. um, this past November. And I felt like that was a very monumental shift in my life from, like, my entire life I've always been – kind of the youngest. So like when I joined the ski team, like everyone was, you know, five, I joined it when I was 16 and everyone else on the U.S. team was in their 20s. And I was like always looking up to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I just like had it in my mind, like even when I would continue to meet my brides and my grooms or guests at a wedding, like I just always assumed that everyone was like older to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm they're They've been through more, or, you know, uh-huh. they're older and they they know more. And this ceremony was a monumental shift for me from really like, wow, like I'm 38. Like a lot of the people I meet are younger than me. And I actually have learned a lot. And that now it's kind of my responsibility to turn around and share that with others instead of always just trying to learn, learn, learn from everyone, which I will continue to do. But at the same time, kind of stepping in and owning what I do know and what I have experienced and learned. Yeah. Well, it's articulated very, very clearly. And and that is, it, it really echoes a lot of my experience when, when my nephew was born. And, and I, I was a random question that I had written down to ask you, because, because I, I, I also had the same experience recently of recognizing that I'm, I'm 36. I am a 36-year-old woman. And in some ways, I still feel like I'm 25. And, and that, like you, there's so much still to take in. So it's it was kind of a it was a, a dawning moment to be like, wow, I yes, have and and again that sort of monkey brain that we talk about, the self-judgment, um, telling myself that I, I'm not 
that I'm not good enough to be offering the wisdom that I have accrued. And that's such a selfish, I, I think that's such a selfish way of, of existing. And it was a momentous moment for me to be able to sort of turn that back around and say, I'm going to give what I can because it's worth, it's worth getting out there. Totally. And I think a thing that goes hand in hand with that, that I've also been trying to embody more is done is better than perfect. Ah, yes. And so, yeah, maybe I don't know the most about Ayurveda and there's practitioners out there that have studied for 10 years, but you know what? I took this nine month course and I learned a lot and I've put incorporated some habits into my life that have been really profound to me. And that person who hasn't studied Ayurveda at all can learn a lot from me. Mm-hmm. And actually they might be able to learn. I think about this lot in, in the yoga studio too. Um, sometimes when a teacher is at such a high level, they can't really access the beginner ah. as much. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we have, um, that we acknowledge where we are at each step of the process because we might be able to present this information in a way that's more digestible to these other people that are not as far along in this process than even someone who is the end-all be-all in that, you know, genre. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, it strikes me as you're talking, you have a beautiful smile and it strikes me, you have a bright light about you as well. What, what brings you the most joy? I guess I find it's the little moments. It's just when I do stop and pause and just soak in the everyday stuff. And often for me, it's easier to access when I am traveling because I try to really work really hard and get all my work done. And then I basically go on these like month, two month, three month vacations Mm -hmm. kind of, and I'm working and I'm tied to my computer a little bit. But I find that when I'm not on a schedule and I am just kind of out in the world and letting things unfold is when I have so many incredible serendipitous meetings and just like incredible magic moments and maybe it's you get invited into this family's home for tea or you end up going on a catamaran sale with like these people you just met like I don't know I feel like when you are less forcing life and more like receiving Mm -hmm. in like a softer way it's just really incredible and it strikes me that you're very grateful for those moments. Yeah, that's very clear in the way that you talk about them. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I have actually one of the practices that I do recommend, which I know is kind of like almost cliche these days, but I have started doing a gratitude journal before I go to bed every night. And I always have, I mean, you're supposed to write down three things. I always have like at least 10 things. Mm-hmm. And, and actually because I've been doing that, now it's like I'm on the lookout those awesome things whether it's like the Canadian geese like flying by you know as I'm eating breakfast or you know pulling into that spot right in the front of the grocery store you know just like little things but I think you see what you're looking for and when you're looking for the beautiful amazing things you see you see more of them what what would you tell your adolescent self if you could go back in time Um, I guess for me, it would have been nice to know that I didn't need to do so much. 
um, like I think probably some of the, you know, everything has an opportunity cost. So I had these incredible opportunities and, and I was able to accomplish so much. But at the same time, like, you know, my weekends were spent driving three hours to the ski hill and training back-to-back days and then driving home in time to get to basketball practice. Like I didn't just hang out with friends for the weekend and have random sleepovers, that kind of thing. Um, but I guess I just felt like so much of our society is geared towards resume building. Mm. And I look back at, like, on paper, like, it's all so impressive. Like, you know, like, wow, it doesn't really seem like I could have done that much. <laughs> but does it really matter? And yes, I think so much of who I am today came through those incredible experiences and learning that, you know, if I set my mind something, I can accomplish it and, you know, growing from struggles and all that. But at the same time, it's like, life's not about building a resume. It's about, as far as I can tell, connecting with others and having an impact on other people. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, a nice place to end. Um, I, I want to thank you for taking a leap of faith and coming in here <laughs> this morning. And um, I look forward to the blog that you start and to learning more from you and with you. And I, I, I think that you are a hero. So thank you for that. And thank you for being committed to sharing because we benefit from it. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you sharing as well. And I think it's really beautiful that you're trying to bring people's stories to women and girls growing up. Hey, thanks for listening to The Aaron Roy Show. I'll leave you with Liz DeLise and her song, Clouds Up Ahead.